Abba Yahweh, bless the scriptures that I share. This is the sharing of your truth, your knowledge and wisdom. Drawing from my brothers and sisters to help guide and teach Father God and to draw those that have the curious heart and mind, Father, to you. Creator of all things, Abba Yahweh, Abba, Yeshua, Abba, So, interesting reading here and goes along with some things I've shared with you before. You know, and, and God's confirmation through things is that, again, I share and I want to remind everyone that is hearing, listening, that confirmation is not just nearly, merely to uh, impart rightness uh, in individuals. Sometimes, you know, I can remember as kids used to say, you know, when mom or dad would confirm something that they did was great. Yeah, yeah, I told you so. Yeah, yeah, I told you so. But that's what this is not about. What this is about is that the confirmation that comes from God with one, two, three, four, five, even more different individuals that are studying his word, sharing his truth. And the confirmation is that we are on the right path because it's all a relative message. It's the same message. And it's saying that this is my word, my truth. And all of you, are in alignment, you're showing one body, one mind, we're showing different locations throughout the nation and even throughout the world. You're not conference calling each other, but you're sharing the same truth, knowledge and wisdom from me that I give to you to share with the nations. That's what this confirmation is about. These other mentors and and other pastors and things that we're sharing and getting the same thing and sharing the same truth. We don't conference call before I do this, before I start sharing God's word. We're not in a conference call and saying, okay, so if they go and check this, they're going to see that. Okay, I'll make sure that that's flagged. I'll make sure that that's not. That's not what this is about at all. This is showing the magnitude of God's intention and his love for us and sharing his truth (coughs) pardon me and that we are all like-minded and that's what the body continue or the the body of of christ the church body is continually reminded that we need to be of one mind one body one spirit uplifting one another and that we need to be in truth I'm going to share something here. This this is kind of an, it's an old word, and I actually forgot what it meant because I'd, I'd heard it before and I'd seen it before. So it's um, it's not a good thing, really. It's a thing called self-flagellation. If anyone out there has seen the Da Vinci Code, um, you know, in that, that film... Uh, there was a relatively young man and and he practiced that and and actually it was a common practice in in, um, older churches and they possibly still exist now and it may even still exist that practice but 
what they would do is they would beat themselves, literally whip themselves. And as it was in the case of this young man, it it was a driving force. And uh, quite honestly, it's a, I believe it to be quite a mental instability because it's not required of God, required of us from our Lord God Almighty. All he wants us to do is worship him and love him as he loves us unconditionally. So this condition that they have, they put on themselves because they they believe that they're that they have to be more like Christ, which is they toss out compassion and kindness and when they err or sin or they do something that the church wouldn't approve of they beat themselves and usually with a scourge like a cat of nine tails or something and and even just it's it gets pretty bad um as i've shared with you when they took jesus they were beating him before the crucifixion and i had because Pilate wasn't supervising, I think they went to the extremes <clears throat> because he was going to let Jesus go and he didn't want this done. He said, okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll beat him up and then you have him back and, and you're going to do what you're going to do because I, I don't find any guilt in him. And then Pilate, Pilate washed his hands, but his soldiers beat Jesus relentlessly. They taunted him. They teased him and they tortured him. So this thing of self-flagellation, though, there are those that believe that it's uh, no longer practiced. I have a tendency to believe that there are some zealous individuals that, that do practice that, and they're, they're truthfully just misguided because God does not require that of us. He only wants us to worship him as the Lord God, sovereign Lord, maker of all things made that he is God. He created everything. He created us. He just wants our devotion to him, our love to be for him. And we don't have to beat ourselves. And some people, when they, they, we have to realize that he is Hashem, our Lord God. He is Lord of Lord, King of Kings, all things were created by him. By his hand and breath, all things consist. He holds everything together. And a reading that I was from one of my mentors, uh, you know, discussing trees and, and how we we are likened to trees in several passages in the Old and New Testament. We're told to be like the palm, be like the palm tree. We're told to be like the cedars of Lebanon. We're told to be uh, like a mighty oak. And interesting correlation with the trees is and, and God likens us that way as well is that trees require the night it's a restoration um let me see if I can give you a, an analogy <coughs> pardon me okay when you have an exercise regimen and a lot of 
even a lot of the uh, heavy bodybuilders that are really, I, it's ridiculous. But I mean, that's there's some people that are into that, that sculpting of their body, they call it. But they're overdoing because many of them do not realize that the body requires, health-wise, rest, period. And you have some of the individuals, um, they do that intense training. They don't take any rest time. They don't have a re- uh, a recouping period for their body to rest and to push out. They just, they drive, they drive, they drive. And they think that's a good thing, but health-wise, it's not. And, and I think it's an unfortunate thing that, that there are not enough of them that are um, re-educating individuals that, that want to do this sort of thing that, that uh, you don't do it with the drugs and you don't do it with this intense drive. This is, this is a form... <coughs> <coughs> Pardon me. The enemy does not want me sharing. Um, that could be a form of self-flagellation because... If you don't have this rest period and downtime and they just keep driving and it's just a drive, 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 got to do it, got to do it, you know, and some of these, it's, it's pretty wild. I've been around some people like that. And as a, as a younger person, uh, when I was young and in the service, um, I had a partner and he and I would be in the gym all the time and we would try to drive each other to do that sort of thing. It's, it's not healthy. It's not good. It's not wise. It's not wisdom. They have knowledge, but they don't have wisdom. They didn't incorporate that into wisdom. Wisdom being a collection of, of knowledge and knowing of things and then being able to use it and apply it properly. But they don't have that rest time. The nighttime is given as a rest time, a downtime um, from many aspects throughout our life. We can sleep through the night. We rest through the night. It gives us a respite from the heat of the day. In many cases, um, you know, sometimes uh, you live in an area and you still have a heat, but the, the intense sunlight that comes with it is not there. So you have this downtime, and the trees take that nighttime, as in, in uh, the palms. What an interesting tree. And it's, it's actually not a tree. It's more of a grass. We call it a palm tree, but it's actually... Um, and we're likened to the palm tree. And the roots on this thing, the tree is very interesting, the, the way this thing grows, the way God made this thing grow. And the roots go deep and spread out wide. And the tree, if you've seen any resulting photographs from storm areas many times, it takes an intense bit to break a palm intense wind storm to break a palm the palm will bend many times all the way to the ground from the top but it doesn't break it just bends and then comes back up straightens up and continues growing takes a lot to break a palm the trees, the cedars of Lebanon, 
Lebanon is near the coast and the trees, the forests are very dense. They're very heavy trees and they're near the coast. But at nighttime, something interesting happens. It becomes very misty. You get a lot of moisture that comes in off the sea and you get a lot of moisture or fog uh, when the mist come in. The trees absorb this. They absorb this moisture and the respite from the day when they're growing from the heat and the sun. But at night they get this respite and this moisture comes in and they draw their nourishment from that. And I've shared with you, as was shared by my pastor, and we were talking, or he was teaching about the Redwood Forest. <clears throat> some things I knew and some I did not. What I do know is that 90%, 90% of their nourishment comes from above. Comes from above. I think my perception and my feeling is that we need to be more like the redwood and draw our nourishment from above. God knows that we need nutrition from stores and restaurants and that we, the food and thing, he knows that. The people, as he was teaching the disciples, even Jesus knew all that, they were teaching and teaching. He was just intent on, on the word, but then he became, his compassion and kindness for the people wanted to make sure that they were fed, so they took a break. And he broke the bread. And he broke the fish. And he blessed those that were there and fed them. I've already shared with you before, too, about the math on that. Do the math. Culturally speaking, they only counted the men because they were the head of the household, so that's how many houses were there. In that culture, in that day and time, most men were married unless they were soldiers and then they were, they didn't. But you had most men were married. So then you have a husband and wife and most families had at least four children. So now you do the math, you figure it out. 5,000? No. 20,000. At least 20,000 people that Jesus fed with his fish and loaves of bread, breaking it and blessing, and he fed all the multitude. That's a, that's a, when Jesus fed the multitude, a lot of people like to talk about this like it's a great astronomical number. Oh, Jesus fed 5,000. Jesus fed 5,000 again. But when you take the word and you say multitude, multitude is a kind of an ambiguous term, but I think it goes more toward the extreme large number. You have to realize that Jesus was doing much more than what was visible and much more than what we see there in the print. You have to kind of be able to interpolate, but interpolate in truth. You don't make stuff up. I'm not making this stuff up. This is, this is cultural life in those days. You had the man... Now you got 5,000, then you have the woman, then you, you now you've got 10,000. The first child, you got to keep adding. Add five every time. So what is the, is that number actually? Just do the math. 
you have husband and wife, and we'll keep it conservative, but we'll say every one of those 5,000 families, there were two children. So now you have 5, 10, 15, 20,000 people for that. But if you went toward the cultural end, you had at least four children in each family. Not always, but at least. So now you have to add, actually, another to that group. And you are now talking a great... You're talking about a football stadium full of people that Jesus fed and taught. That's huge. But he nourished them, but he fed them with the word, the truth, which comes from the heavenly Father, which comes from above. More like the redwoods. And they grow so huge and so vastly tall because they, see, when a tree draws their energy from below or draws their nourishment from below, (coughs) it expends a lot of energy in order to do that. (laughs) Wow. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I'm, I'm coming to realize this analogy is actually really on point with mammon. So trees expend so much energy in drawing the nutrients up from the ground. And, uh, you know, God's intention and purpose was on point for those. So they're... Um, the branches grow out more and, and these are mostly your fruit trees, the nutrients, so they put things in the soil to, to get them that way. And you have certain things. Redwoods don't fruit, <laughs> per se. I mean, they have seed pods and pine cones that, that grow on them, but this is so... so We're so much like the other trees and we take it to the extremity that we're running amok so much we're expending so much energy to go here to go there to get this done to get that done we we have our agendas so full we just that's the import and you're okay some of you are going to really get your knickers really twisted up about this but that's really unfortunate because you choose to go that direction that's on you. Don't put the blame on somebody else and point the finger because that's what we do. We spend someone's energy putting the onus on somebody else instead of accepting the responsibility. So these individuals that you call your friends, which you ought to be really cautious of because true friends don't draw from their friendship in order to get what they want unless they actually need. And remember, there's a difference. Need and want is not synonymous get over that portion. So you're not going to draw from the supplies of your true friends unless you actually truly need it. Not want it, need it. And your true friends will give that to you. And they're not going to pump you full of excuses. Individuals will do that. Now, understand this in saying that. There are things that are going on in this world now that are so different between this generation and before. This generation, there are a lot of things going on. There's a lot of 
really terrible things happening, but here's the important thing, and the Word tells us this, so we need to understand this. We need to pray one for another. We need to uplift one another, and in some cases, admonish, because that that needs to be done. It needs to be done. And God has told us in our word and the letters that Paul has written that sometimes that needs to be done. But you do it in righteousness, you do it in love, and you're compassionate for the person to do that. You're trying to get them to go in the right direction without whipping them, and they don't need to go out and beat themselves. Like I told you, that self-flagellation, that was, wow. If you can imagine that Jesus was beaten until his flesh came away from his bones and the muscle tissue, which is exactly what they did. And, and I'm sure that this physician described the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the preamble to that event from a physician's standpoint and from a historical standpoint in studying the techniques and the type of instruments that the Romans would use. The cat of nine tails were leather straps and down near the end of the straps there were lead beads that were in the leather. And all those tails were beaded. And usually <clears throat> the one that was doing the beating was not the little wimp in the platoon. It was the big guy, the biggest guy that they could find, the biggest guy that was doing the most exercising and doing the most stone lifting and carrying because it, the exercise was something that was done, especially with soldiers back in the day. It was a it's not something new that these guys discovered and go to the gym and become Mr. Olympia and Mr. Universe and all that stuff. And they were the ones responsible for carrying this thing out that, that they did to Jesus. Jesus Christ was beaten nearly to death before they even took him up Golgotha to be crucified. He was so weak from being beaten and blood loss. He was so weak they had to get help for him to carry his cross. We need to be drawing <clears throat> from one another that energy that we can share with each other and not running around like, I gotta go here, I gotta go there, I gotta, oh man, Bob and Bob and John and Ted and Alice and they're they're all going to the pool. Man, I gotta man, that's all the way over town. Okay, let's go. Whew. So they get across town to the pool hall and they hang out in there and they're drinking, drinking, drinking. And then it says, "Oh man, we're gonna go down to to Louis." And boom, they go over to Louis. Then they go across town this way and this way, this way, zigzag, zigzag. And what time are you gonna be there? Oh, we're gonna be there about one o'clock. Oh yeah, wow. Okay, yeah, let's go, let's go. And and they're so intent on all these things happening. They're they're drawing a zigzag pattern all over the place and so intent on going there. Are they uplifting one another? No, because they're drinking, carousing, carrying on. And incidentally, Louise was uh, 
a name I threw out there, but I didn't tell you that that's their little go-go club that they're going to. And you have some of these individuals, and Jesus described them for us, um, that these so-called quote-unquote friends are more like a millstone around their neck and they're not like the root system of the redwoods. We need to draw our energy from above and the reason that they get so huge is because they're not expending that energy from the root system to draw up from the nutrients outwardly. They're getting all the nutrients from above and they grow. If anybody's known anything or read anything about the redwood forest, <clears throat> these trees are massively tall. They recorded one, I was reading a, a fascinating article about this biologist who's studying specifically the redwoods <clears throat> and he has a group of arborists that are which are the ones that are intent on trees um, and they're going and they were hunting the tallest redwood I mean they've been around the world <clears throat> pardon me redwoods go in a lot of places but the redwood forest in northwest of our nation is one where people go and they do this study more because there's more there and it's there, but we're destroying them, sadly. And I've been there, I've been in the, the primeval forest. Oh my gosh, it's so quiet. It's so beautiful and it smells so wonderful. Anyway, they're searching for the tallest redwood tree, and I think they, they were saying that they found one there, and, and they had to go a ways because it wasn't where, but it stood above the other redwoods. They said, man, what is that? And they went, and I believe they meant they have to have a special way to measure because you can't take a tape measure up there. You have to do it a certain way, so they actually built a contraption to do this. 398 feet tall. 398 feet tall. Why? Because it's being nourished from above. Nourished from above by the, the mist and the fog and the things that are there. That's massive. Can you imagine if we were just drawing all that nutrition from our Heavenly Father and the things that he pours out from heaven? And he does that constantly with us with our blessing. It, it fortifies our faith. He allows us to walk through things because it fortifies our faith. It strengthens us. But remember that God is with us whether, whether so ever we go. He's not going to walk off and just leave us. He's not gonna, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Leaving and forsaking, forsaking are, are two different things. And sometimes people get so confused. They, they think that things are synonymous, like needs and wants. They think that's synonymous. They're not synonymous. They're totally different. Totally different. But God knows what we need. God will not take us into a situation, walk away and leave us in the midst to fend for ourselves. That's forsaking. He doesn't do that. He won't do that. He's there. When we see him not being there is when we've turned away or decided to do things our own way and not God's way. God is feeding us from above constantly. He tried to do that with the nation of Israel. What did they do? Griped and complained about the manna from heaven. Angels eat manna. It's heavenly bread. And he delivered that to them. They complained about it. He commanded the quails to come to provide. They were griping about the bread, so they wanted meat. So he commanded flocks of quail to come. Let me remind you again of the number, the sheer magnitude of the number 
<coughs> of people that left Egypt. And it wasn't just the nation of Israel that left. There were others that saw what the Egyptians were doing and they said, hey, we want to come with a caravan and off they went. So we're talking about literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that walked out of Egypt. And it took some time for them to all get out and then the the trail into the caravan left. And then of course, you know, several days went by and Pharaoh got upset and he said, Oh no, we're gonna go get them back. We need the we need that labor and went to get them. So if you can just try to imagine this, the sheer number, the size of the flocks of birds that God called and told to deliver themselves to the nation and the caravan. And they went to provide food for all those people. And the complaints came again. And the water that was provided from the rock. Very interesting. They always just said the rock. Water was always provided. They griped and complained, oh, we're thirsty. We're thirsty, we're thirsty. We haven't had water for days. We're thirsty, we're thirsty, we're thirsty. Moses tapped the stone with the staff and the water came pouring out. Again, let me make this clear to you. The number, magnitude of people that left Egypt were thousands. We're talking about the size of a fairly large city, if you can try to imagine here, and the water that was provided by the Lord God, number the flock of quail, and then they complained again, so then he brought pheasants. And just by his word speaking to these creatures, they came and fed the multitude. And then the laws of God that were written and given to Moses to deliver, not the laws of Moses as the, San, as the Sanhedrin tried to put that out there, and the Sadducees, that they only studied the laws of Moses. They're not the laws of Moses, they're the laws of Lord God Almighty, and Moses happened to be the delivery guy. Just like the blessings that the Lord allows me to deliver. I'm a conduit for God's truth, knowledge, and wisdom that he imparts to me because I ask him to. And he shares that with me so that I can share it with others and deliver his truth and his knowledge and his wisdom. I'm a conduit. And sometimes he also, <clears throat> pardon me, he allows me to carry blessings to my church. And I've shared this with you before, is that they try to thank me. It's not me doing it, it's God. I, and I tell him, I said, listen, this is a gift from God. I just get to be the delivery guy. I'm his carrier. I'm his delivery man. That's all I am. The gift is from God. And I remind people this, from the children to the adults that come up, because they're so thankful. And it fills me with gladness. And I just see them so happy. And it's just a such a simple treat, but it's a gift from God. And brothers and sisters, this is a gift that comes from above. The redwoods are amazing in this aspect. 
The other thing about redwoods I'm going to share with you that I that I had a notion to, but I was not entirely positive, but then the sharing of uh, our lead pastor. I'm going to throw a plug in here for this church that God is allowing because I've tried the spirit and the truth and knowledge of wisdom that's shared and imparted and that our pastor is also just a conduit. He does a steady time. He puts the effort in, but uh, just a conduit, same as I am. But here's the thing. Redwoods, the forest, they stand tall, they stand firm, and and some of these, they stretch for miles and miles and miles and miles, but the root system are intertwined. They actually hold each other up. This is amazes me because you've, you've got trees that, that grow to hundreds of feet tall. The tallest, 398 feet tall. I believe that's the number. And these trees are massive. Um, you have the, the Avenue of the Giants, I believe it's called. <coughs> Pardon me. There's a section of highway up in the Pacific Northwest. And you can drive through it. And they used to have one there. They had to take it down because um, there were things that we had done as the people done. And they used to drive through this. You could drive through the tree. It was so huge. And they cut a tunnel through it and put a road through it. Because they thought that would be brilliant. And they could make money. And they did that. That's sad. Because ultimately the tree did succumb and it had to be taken down and removed because mammon again thought that they were so smart <clears throat> but this is what we do this is what the nation did they turned away from god he didn't leave them they turned their back and they didn't listen they didn't respond and then and then um of course as we get closer to the promised land we see that they didn't um follow through so they wandered around for 40 years but here's the thing too remember this that God still didn't leave them they wandered for 40 years he still fed them he still nourished them he provided water for them they never had to repair their clothing and they never had to repair their shoes that they wore on their feet for 40 years what do you have in your closet that has survived for 40 years that you still have that you can still wear that you can still use I doubt seriously that many do. There are some that do, but why? Because they took care of these things. I have some things that I have from around here. I'm going to find it, but I took care of the stuff and put them away and not my clothing. That wouldn't have lasted. Okay. On point. We do these things to ourselves and then we look for something, someone to blame. Well, that telephone pole jumped out in front of me while I was texting Bob to meet me at Louie's and, excuse me, you were texting and not watching the roadway, so you crash into that pole and you're trying to blame the pole? Well, the road bend, the, the engineers did this wrong. Well, how come you didn't see that turn and that curb jutting out there before you jumped up and ran over the fire hydrant? Well, I was watching this video that a friend sent me. Uh, excuse me? 
you chose to do this utterly foolish, profoundly stupid thing, and then you want to blame some <laughs> brother and sisters. I've seen it every day, all day. The one sadly, he was okay. I mean, I'm sure they took him to the hospital, but there was a southbound vehicle on a northbound service road and had a head-on collision. What? You were going the wrong direction on a clearly posted one-way street and all the traffic is going in one direction and now you're scratching your head because you had a head-on collision and your car is nearly, well, it was totally destroyed. And you nearly lost life. So choices that we make, we need to choose. This is, God gave us, God gave us choice, free will choice. If we choose to turn away and ignore and not follow his tenets, his, his rules, his commandments, these things, God is not, as we term, and Mammon has termed sometimes, term him as a taskmaster or a, or a harsh king. God is not any of that. Okay, you have individuals, <coughs> pardon me, that volunteer for every, I mean, Everything that goes on in the church, or they're involved with this committee, that committee, this committee, that committee, and they're, they, they're working in the office of the church, and they're working over here to do this, they do this, and they do that. And they just throw themselves into all this stuff, thinking that they have to do that somehow to repay the fact that Jesus Christ was crucified voluntarily, came as the only begotten Son of God, and came because he loved me. I love them. Loved us all. For God so loved the world. And they chose to do all these things because they think that somehow it's going to repay them. But then what they do is they kind of whip themselves into this huge frenzy because they have this agenda that they have that they have filled and established and believe that they have to get it done. And they commit themselves to it because they choose to do that. And then they're beating themselves to get this thing accomplished. And um, I think it's, I've never liked this, when they whip a racehorse to get them to do if you really had a connection to the animal, I mean, you wouldn't. Um, and I've seen horses that have raced that, and they don't use the riding crop on them because the individual that rides the animal didn't believe in it, and they had a true connection with one another. And actually, one races without a riding crop, and there's others that just smack, 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 smack. I've never liked that. But anyway. Individuals that fill their agenda with so much garbage and they use this gift that God gave us in a very dark and almost sinister way. We have a gift that God gave us, but see, the devil drives us with that white noise interference. I mean, he, drive, he tries to drive me and I, I remember to fight against it. We have been given that authority. <clears throat> we have to declare it and claim it. Jesus Christ gave it to us. But they fill this agenda because we have the capability to look at and pre-plan. God, God allows that in us. But we can't see the future. We don't know the future. God does. So are you going to be busy filling these agenda pages of your daily planner 
and you fill them month after month after month with all this stuff that's pre-planned out there, <clears throat> never once telling everybody, Lord willing, I'll be there and get it done. You just write this thing down in your calendar, you put a time frame, and, and you go. And then you beat yourself to get these things accomplished. Oh, man, it's already 4.30. I got 10 minutes. Oh, and then what do you start doing? You start to speed in the speed limits. You take shortcuts and you do things that you shouldn't do. You cut across the parking lot of a gas station and people in the pump and you're cutting through so you don't have to wait at the red light that's three spaces down and then you got to cut across this. And you do things like that that are dangerous, shouldn't be done, but you're doing it. Why? Because you filled your agenda book with so much crap and garbage that you feel like you have to get it. So you're beating yourself you're beating yourself with this riding crop like uh, like the racehorses and you're beating yourself into a frenzy that doesn't need to be. And forgetting a very important thing that Jesus taught us. Why do you worry about tomorrow? Tomorrow will take care of itself. You cannot see what's happening tomorrow. And here it comes. Wait for it. Wait for it. Here it is. Tomorrow <clears throat> is not promised. God doesn't promise me that I'll see tomorrow. Lord willing, I'll be here. And he's been taking care of me all this time. He didn't allow me to commit suicide when I was... <coughs> when I was in 10 and driving off that bridge because of consequences of not walking with him and keeping my focus on him and doing what I should have been doing, but I decided that I was going to take my life because I stupidly turned away from God and wasn't following him. Instead, I went to Mammon for answers to things that I should have been going to God about. He didn't allow that to happen. He didn't allow that major incident to happen on the freeway down in L.A. on that blind turn. Didn't allow that to happen. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me when I was intent on taking my life off that bridge. Going to drive an 18-wheeler <clears throat> off of a bridge, cross over four lanes drive, which incidentally where that place was could be done. And I was going to take that truck, destroy that equipment that belonged to the company, um cause somebody to swerve and, and maybe jump on the curb and possibly get injured and that didn't matter. I was going to do this thing. My life isn't my life to take that way. <clears throat> and God had different plans. And the Holy Spirit asked me, what about your grandchildren? I shared with you before that my, grand, my children were not even old enough. They weren't even out of elementary school yet. I don't even know if they snuck a kiss from the cute little girl that they shared a class with at the drinking fountain. But the Holy Spirit told me, what about my grandchildren? I have four beautiful, one Elizabeth, which means consecrated of God or gift of God. I would not have seen that done. She is a miracle child. I would not have seen that. God has different plans for us than what we believe we have. So why are you going to fill your agenda book and think that you have no governing power to control? You don't know if it's going to be there. 
Tomorrow is not promised. Why worry about tomorrow and what's going to happen tomorrow? Tomorrow will take care of itself. And then you leave this plane of existence and you go ahead and you, your life is over on this physical plane and you're going to heaven. Did you alter anything properly? That question is asked because if we're doing our Lord's work and we're doing what we should be doing, then yes, we are changing some things for the positive and the better. And if you're just concerned with all that energy that's being expelled out to the horizontal, running here and there because all your friends got that, oh, we got to meet Bob over at so-and-so. Man, we got 20 minutes to get over there. Well, I'm like, that's almost a 30-minute, ah, we'll get there. I'll make it. I'll make it happen. Huh. So you're going to shave that drive 10 minutes off. And how are you going to do that? Because you're exceeding the speed limit. You're taking shortcuts. And you're putting yourself at risk. And then that silly cellular telephone rings. And this Bluetooth technology that was that is supposed to be built into so many of these modern vehicles that you don't have to look around or hold the phone in your hand. You can answer the phone by touching a button on the tel on the steering wheel. But no, you have to have that silly thing in your hand. And then you take a look at it and you jump the curb. And in the air, you're like a nitro circus and your car is circling almost like a tornado as it's traveling still in the same direction. But wait. It doesn't land on the wheels. It lands on its top and slides down the street and slams into a parked car that happened to have a family in it that we're getting ready to go into a restaurant and you hit that car. Well, guess what? You didn't make it to Bob's. You didn't make it to Bob's meeting. But your intention was by your own volition to get there. And cut that time and shortcut because you're whipping yourselves into having all this stuff. Saul nearly missed his anointing as the king because he was involved with his stuff. He put more interest in his stuff than in being the king because he was so caught up in having done it. And this is when they were first starting to establish kings and they, they left Judges, out. He almost missed his anointment. You know where they found him? Because the prophet told his helpers, you go find Saul, go find him now. We're getting ready to have this anointing and do the ceremony to present him to the elders so that they know that he's king. Go find him. And where did they find him? They found him in his larder closet. What is that? That's where he collected and Put all this stuff. They had conquests and they had winnings and he took things to put into the treasury. That's where he was. He was in his stuff. Are we involved in so much stuff that we don't draw that nutrients from above? That all these trees that God takes care of, that God has established a way for them to grow and be I think we need to be more like the Redwoods.
or like the cedars of Lebanon to relax in that night. And, and I have an issue because of the way that I am at nighttime sometimes. Uh, no, let's be truthful. A lot of times, not just sometimes, a lot of times I go later than I should because I'm, I'm either reading and I should make the reading of the word, the last thing, and then just say thank you, Father, and do my evening prayer by going in and uh, thank him and just go to sleep. I don't do that. I'm, I'm addicted to this stupid <laughs> solitaire, but let's review that, shall we? That is a choice that I'm making, but where is that coming from, honestly? And being honest with myself and being honest with you, that that's not a good thing to do. That's not exactly the wisest thing to do. I cut myself off sometimes because if I see it's going too late and I try to figure out and calculate, well, I can do this, and if I do that and I do it this amount, then it'll be okay. No, it's not, because I've established now the synapse in my mind is all clicked up and I'm not able to go to sleep right away. What you need to do, what we need to do is we need to put that down. We need to, to do away with that. And at nighttime when we lay down, we thank the Lord for the blessing of the day and his lessons that he taught for us. Thank him even for the hardships that went through the day. And we pray over our brothers and sisters, strength, encouragement, uprightness, righteousness, study the word, pray for them, pray for the nation because we know it needs it. And then we rest like God intended for the trees to rest and then that growing comes up in the day. So you have these individuals and they, they believe or they're, they're portraying that the working in the church but they drive themselves and then what they do is they grow to resent God because they think that he's, he's driving them to, for all this work at, at the church, uh, which isn't the case they chose to do it. But they filled up their agenda and they filled up their work schedule so much and now they want to say, man, what do they do? They look to blame God. Remember this and remember what I'm telling you. Blame comes from one place and one place only. If you are speaking and blaming God for anything, you're speaking of the devil. You're speaking his language, which is a lie and not the truth. Think on it. When they were condemning Jesus Christ and you had the Sanhedrin had him in, in front of them, and then they tried to trap him into statements and things that were being done. They were being driven by false evidence appearing real. They were being driven by the liar. They were being driven by Bezebub, Lord of the Flies. They were being driven by the untruth that their father taught them. And Jesus condemned them for that. Yes, there that was, well, that's not the right word. Let's back up. Let's retract that word condemnation because there isn't any. Well, no, we shouldn't because he was speaking the truth. And he rebuked them for that because he said that you don't know the truth and you wouldn't know the truth. You studied Torah. You studied the, the, the truth and the word of God, but yet you don't practice it because you speak the language of your father 
speaks lies. So you've learned that language and you do it on a regular basis because that's what you do. And they were saying that Jesus was the blasphemer, yet they were not following the truth. And as he told them, you wouldn't know the truth as the truth stands before you. Jesus Christ is the word of God. And the word was with God. Word was in God. Shared the, from, with God from the beginning. And the word became flesh. Read in John. Talks about that. And standing before them is the truth. But they rebuked the truth and they denied the truth. And they try to point the finger and blame God for driving them the way he does. Why do you, you know, man. And the pastor of the church didn't even ask you to do all these things. But you're doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. You can't be doing that. But everybody wants to point the finger and blame for somebody, for something that they're not willing to accept the responsibility for, but they want to blame somebody else for. So when you point your finger, you have three fingers pointing back at you, and your thumb is in a position to heaven. Just remember that. Whenever you're pointing your finger and blame, unless you turn your hand sideways and try to do it gangster style, gangster style, or whatever they call it now, thug style, whatever. Ah, I'm being silly. So silly. I never figured that out. How are you going to aim a gun if you have it turned sideways or sometimes I've seen them where they do it almost upside down. That doesn't make sense. So anyway, you point your finger and blame. You got three fingers pointing back at yourself. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And you have that thumb putting in that wire call to heaven. So quit the blaming somebody else for things that you've chosen to do. Remember that God is our sovereign Lord and God. He's our King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. that we need to honor him always and go to the word 1 Timothy 6 15 read those words and understand this that my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are my your ways my ways declares the Lord as the heavens are higher than yours so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts but we need to focus on that be more like the redwood get our thoughts and our in tune from what comes from above. Take our nourishment from above. And Isaiah 55. And as Jesus was speaking to John, and when John was writing the letters to the churches, and Jesus, yet I hold this against you. You have forgotten your first love. Keep that him. And God. And remember this also. And the book of Matthew shares with us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. We have to remember something too. Because we can't put that thought process in our mindset as it is from us. It isn't the rest that we see from the world or the peace that we get from the world but he came to give us honest peace and rest for all this coming in so if we go to him with our eyes open our ears open and his guidance and teaching brothers and sisters here my prayers am I going out am I coming in you have a good day be in the word 
and study to show yourself approved.